0: Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it's Tuesday, actually it's Wednesday, June 27th, 2018, and you know what that means, it's time to get nerdy, y'all. Welcome to episode number 69 of Two Nerds in a Pod, the nerdiest gaming podcast in the galaxy. I'm Lam, also known as Mr. Nice Guy, and I've got my comrade in gaming commentary here with me, the miggity, 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 miggity Mac, also known as Maction. Mac, how are things, man? How you been?
1: Mr. Nice Guy, it has been a humdinger of a week. A let's, humdinger? Let's Yes, let's start. Let's start, you little ragamuffin. We'll start with something like this. The James Webb Telescope, delayed till 2021.
0: Don't know what that is, but I'm assuming that's disappointing.
1: It, it is disappointing, and it's also going to be an amazing tell. Anyway, not important. There's not enough time. Mr. Nice Guy, also... Also, there's a trade war on. Gosh, how am I going to get my cheap Chinese electronics now? Also, somebody lit a fire about, ah, I don't know, about 50 miles southeast of where I'm living. We didn't start
0: the fire.
1: Yeah, we didn't because we were here. We were too busy working our day jobs. It's those little rapscallions. That have uh, that have nothing better to do than the light forest fires. So Sometimes anyway.
0: sometimes Mac, if you guys didn't know, talks like an old timey guy from the nineteen sixties. Um We love it. We love it. So just, just here. just embrace it, just embrace it.
1: Maction here, wanting to tell you everyone, to make sure that you're drinking plenty of water and staying out of the sun. You'll get sunburns. So anyway, it's just <laughs> been it's just been a really crazy week. And uh, and so we're and both yeah.
0: going with no camera for tonight.
1: Yes, yes. I would like to blame it on a giant pimple on just on the edge of my nose. Oh, okay. That, uh, that I'm just feeling really self-conscious about. What's your excuse?
0: Um, mine is my camera was messing up. And so I said, you know what, let's just go old school. Mm. And uh, I don't have a, a pimple on my nose. Uh, but I'm glad that we're both not going with camera, So we're on equal footing, like we said, so mm. before the show. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but yeah, that's what's up with me um, uh, I do have other things But I'm waiting to cover them in the What we've been watching and playing segment
0: Nice, well my week has been fantastic Mac. You know, we got the 4th of July coming up mm-hmm. Which is awesome uh, Gonna barbecue, gonna grill uh, Gonna do all that good stuff Are you gonna sous-vide anything? I, I might, dude I've never sous ribs before And I've heard that they're good You can smoke them a little bit before Sous-vide them so you've got that smoke flavor, but you still get that tenderness of the sous vide. So I, I may do something like that. You know, that's the day to do it. So anyway, Mac, um, on that note, I say we do what we do best and stop talking about smoking meat and sous vide and we talk about gaming news. What do you think?
1: I think it is what we do best. I'll allow it.
0: He'll allow it. The, uh, the judge will allow it that line of questioning. Guys, welcome to episode number 69 of Two Nerds in a Pod. Uh, Let's jump right in. Now, there's so much Fortnite news this week. I decided not to cover all of it because as much as I love Fortnite and as much as people love hearing about it, there's other cool stuff going on. We will talk about a couple Fortnite stories, though. So uh, let's first start with... Let's start with Pokemon Quest. Uh, Have you heard of Pokemon Quest, Mac?
1: I have heard whispers.
0: Okay, well, let's talk about it. It's on. This story's from Polygon. Uh, it says, The Pokemon Company's free-to-play cube-shaped action RPG, Pokemon Quest, is now available for mobile devices. Players can now visit Tumblecube Island and play with blocky Pokemon on Android and iOS. Pokemon Quest was announced and released on Nintendo Switch in May. We described the Switch version as a stripped-down but still enjoyable take on the Pokemon franchise, likening it to... Quote, Minecraft meets the simplistic Pokemon spin-off, Pokemon Rumble, unquote. In Pokemon Quest, players set up base camps on Tumblecube Island and lure in voxel Pokemon. Trainers then take a trio of monsters into battle, albeit not using the familiar turn-based combat of other Pokemon RPGs. Instead, Pokemon Quest limits players' control of their Pokemon to tapping attack meters once they're at full. Otherwise, the Pokemon go at it on their own. So I actually downloaded this game and played it with my kids a little bit. Uh, it's it's pretty darn corny <laughs> uh we played it on the switch but it's a good it's a good game for kids you know the traditional pokemon you know for for younger kids it requires a lot of reading and while my oldest son can read um you know to constantly have to you know sound out words in a game that requires that much reading just becomes more frustration than educational this one does not require any reading it's and it's not turn-based either so the, the animals, the Pokémon, just constantly attack each other, and then you can do special moves, like it said, using the meter. Uh, so, Mac, this one is available not only on iOS, but also on the inferior Android, so I would recommend you try it out.
1: You know, Mr. Nice Guy, I'll put that on my list and see if I can't get back to you with some impressions next time we do the show.
0: You didn't even respond to my taunting about inferior Android.
1: Eh, well, I'd like to think that I've matured. You know, that I've grown as a person, and uh, don't take the bait.
0: I have not, I have not. Well, moving on, so that's cool. If you guys are down with Pokemon, go ahead and check that game out. Um, let's talk about some games that are coming to Xbox One's Game Pass in July. Now, if you guys didn't know, Xbox has a system where you can play a bunch of games for free. Well, actually, not for free. I should say you can play a bunch of games if you pay about 10 bucks a month and uh, subscribe to this service. So this article comes from GameSpot. It says, Independence Day just got a little sweeter for games Pass subscribers. A whole new batch of Xbox One and backwards compatible Xbox 360 titles are dropping in July, including The Elder Scrolls IV Oblivion, Warhammer Vermintide 2, which released in March this year, and Fallout 3. Last month, we saw Fallout 4 and The Elder Scrolls Online join the service, which already includes a ton of other games, Excuse me, a ton of other Xbox hits, ranging from Halo 5 to Gears of War 4. Xbox confirmed this year all of its first-party titles releasing from now on will also come to the service as they launch at retail. Mac, games as a service, man. Or I should say game services. Have you ever participated in, like, a game rental service or a game, you know, streaming service or anything like that? And what were your thoughts if you did?
1: Um... So in general, no, um, I prefer the idea, the notion of my games as a, as a product rather than as a service. Um, if for no other reason, I, I mean, I, you know, sorry to not answer the question. directly. No, this, yet, is, this but, is a great answer. Uh, but I prefer them as a as a product because I'd like to think I buy it, it's mine, it works you know it's done. One of the things that I do thoroughly enjoy about the games pre online only or online you know yeah or online play it only is that I buy the game, I have the game, it's all good. And I want to just work in a little bit of Fortnite news. I'm sure you have heard that some people are paying exorbitant prices for Fortnite, uh, for Fortnite discs, right? Yeah, let's talk about it. Well, I, I mean, that kind of works into my feeling on it, where it's like, Fortnite, there's, in my opinion, no reason to buy the disc because it's an online-only game, so you have no advantage of actually having The disk, you know what I mean? All that it's going to do is it'll stop working when they stop supporting the, you know, when the company stops supporting the game. Um, It'll stop working when you can no longer access dedicated servers. And as the current legality is, um, you will likely get sued by a company for trying to supply a service that is no longer being offered which, when you think about it, is kind of Looney Tunes that uh, that you can pay, you know, you can pay a company for a... And, and maybe it's just because I'm locked into this old games-are-a-product-rather-than-a-service mindset where I feel like... I paid you for the game and for all the hard work that went in behind it. Now let me play it, and if I want to come back to it in 20 years, like uh, Mega Man 2, then by dang it, I'm gonna come back to it in 20 well, here's, years.
0: Here's here's where I kind of, I definitely respect that point, and that's one of the major benefits of owning a game is that you can come back to it 20 years from now. Additionally. That is, in my opinion, one of the major advantages of owning a physical copy of a game is that you can come back to it without having to worry about it getting deleted and not being available for download again. Now, that said, the thing I like about being able to quote-unquote rent a game or stream a game is one, I'm not invested in the game if it ends up being terrible. Two, I can try games that I would not otherwise try. So I remember when I first bought my Xbox 360, um, prior to that I had not really been big into RPGs. Mm-hmm. but I tried out this game service for a few months. It was like 10 bucks a month, and you could rent one game at a time. And I remember I rented Dragon Age. I believe that was the first game I rented, which was both a, a good idea and a mistake because I put dozens and dozens and dozens of hours into it. <laughs> tried an RPG game that I would not typically have gotten into, um, and had I purchased it, maybe I would have felt differently about it. But because I went in with a low amount of investment, um, I felt like, yeah, you know what, I'll give this a shot, and I, I kept playing it, and even though the beginning, you know, the tutorial was quite long um, for someone who was not into RPGs, traditionally, it gave me the chance to not only find a genre, or excuse me, I should say, not only find a new new franchise that I liked in Dragon Age, but also find a new genre that I hadn't really gotten into before in RPGs. So that's the one thing that I like about being able to to either rent a game Or stream a game. Now the Xbox Pass gives you access to about a hundred games for ten dollars a month. Are you gonna play all those games? No, you're not. But it lets you try some new stuff. Now I agree with you, Mac, about the Fortnite physical disc thing. Um, I think that that's silly, especially since not only is it online only, but the game is free to play. Yeah. So I I did read that those discs are going for you know upwards of four hundred dollars. Which I think is absolutely crazy, but it's it's a popular game right now. It's popping. So, anyway, uh, any more comments on that Mac uh, that topic?
1: Um, no. To your point about uh, to your point about you know being more free to uh, to check things out that you wouldn't normally. I can see where you're coming from with that. That definitely does sound like an advantage. But uh, but I to answer your original question have not actually participated in any of the game streaming services or game subscription services, mostly because of my inherent bias that is deep-seated on the subject. Fair enough,
0: fair enough. Well, hey, Mac, there's a new Mobile Walking Dead game coming, in case you're looking for a game that mimics Pokémon GO but is zombie-based. This is on GameRant.com. It says, Last year, AMC Games and Next Games announced The Walking Dead, Our World, a Pokemon Go-inspired augmented reality game where players kill zombies out in the real world. (laughs) This sounds hilarious. The first gameplay trailer was released a few months ago, but there hasn't been any more news on the game until now. when uh, When it received a release date and new trailer. As revealed in the new trailer, Walking Dead Our World will be available on Android and iOS devices beginning July 12th. The trailer offers an idea of what augmented reality gameplay will be like with characters in the trailer shooting zombies and walking around the game world in a manner that, as expected, is very similar to Pokemon Go. Uh, Whereas Pokemon Go centers around catching monsters, blah, 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 blah. Mac, I remember you once told me about a zombie game where you were running from zombies and it helped you get exercise. Is that right? Mm -hmm. What was the name of that game? Do you remember
1: It was Zombies Run. Nice. So Zombies, plural, run, and there was an exclamation point, so I suppose it's Zombies Run.
0: Now that sounds like a zombie game I'd get into. In a time when there's so much complaint of zombie fatigue, I don't understand why we need a mobile augmented reality title. That's Mm -hmm. just me. I won't be playing this. mm
1: -hmm.
0: Go ahead. What were you going to say?
1: I was going to say that I am more concerned about uh, people being distracted and causing accidents more so for this game than for Pokemon Go um, because whereas on Pokemon Go, you know, you, you had your augmented reality, you threw your Pokeball, there wasn't much like, you know, you didn't hold your phone up, move it around, and tap the screen when you're pointed at them to try and kill the zombie. It's a very
0: valid point.
1: I, I think there will be a greater tendency for injury in this particular instance, but uh, hey, maybe they've got a good way to implement it that will keep that down. Who knows?
0: Mac, you still there?
1: Yeah, I'm still here.
0: Okay, sweet. I wasn't sure if my internet went out for a second, and it very well may have, but it's showing that we're still live. So, um, moving on... To our next news story now we do have some fortnite news uh, and actually this is more cross-play news but we'll still talk about it um because it, it does relate to fortnite so this is on gameinformer.com it says one of the unwitting stories of e3 was fortnite fans anger that the ps4 in particular did not support cross-platform play like the other platforms hosting the title At a game lab conference in Spain, Eurogamer asked Sony Computer Interactive America President CEO Sean Layden about the issue, and Layden had this to say, quote, we're hearing it. We're looking at a lot of the possibilities. You can imagine that the circumstances around that affect a lot more than just one game. I'm confident we'll get to a solution which will be understood and accepted by our gaming community while at the same time supporting our business. The last part of Layden's statement may be the key, according to former Sony Online CEO John Smedley, who recently said the whole situation was purely about money. So it sounds like Sony is trying to get their cross-play um, worked out, which I think is fantastic. Right now they look like some children who took their ball inside and didn't let anyone else play with it. Um, Sony has really won this generation as far as console sales, and so I don't understand why they... I mean, I do understand from a financial perspective that they won't allow people to play together, but I don't understand from a dominance perspective why they won't just embrace it. So that's my thoughts on that. And Mac, that's our news for the week, man.
1: All right. Uh, I apologize. The phone's ringing in the background. I hope nobody can hear it. So, um, okay. So uh, next, we always like to take a little bit of a look around. uh, After we've taken a look around at the, you know, games that have been released recently, we usually like to take a look back in history, see some of the places where we've been, and uh, we like to call this gaming history.
0: Gaming history! I don't <laughs> usually sing at that point, but I just did.
1: Hey, it was, we felt it. So, I have a couple of games that I just wanted to highlight that came out uh, um, in this, this uh, past week, in this last little bit of June, um, in years past, And all of these happen to, you know, happen to be near and dear to my heart, and I, of course, Mr. Nice Guy, always love to hear your impact, if it's anything that you played at all. Of course. But we'll start off with, uh, from the year 2000, released for the PS1, The Legend of Dragoon. Heard of it, but never played that one. It's an RPG. It's, uh, you know, one of those 40-hour RPGs, uh, quite a big story, reasonably good 3D stuff worked in, but uh, <laughs> but this uh, particular game has a special place in my heart, or perhaps some special, I don't know, infamy, I, I don't know, some special hatred in my heart, because I was all into this game. I was fully invested in it. Until the end of disc one. At the end of disc one, there's a cutscene. And wouldn't you know it, on my copy of the game, there was a scratch on the disc. Mac, I
0: I gotta say, I feel like you played a lot of multi-disc games. And and every time we talk about a multi-disc game, it seems like there was an issue with it. This is why I hate multi-disc games.
1: So, uh, well, there's definitely room for things to go wrong. So in multi-disc games, right, um, you don't have a uh, you don't have like uh, like a buffer, right? You don't have a hard drive where the games are saved. So, um, so every disc has to have the information on it in order to revisit certain things. So like, let's say it's an open world RPG, and let's say you can visit all the places on the map in disc one. And if you can still visit all the places on the map in Disc 2, Disc 2 has to have all of Disc 1's content that you would be able to revisit, plus Disc 2's content, and then so on and so forth. Which is why, even though in general content, something like Final Fantasy VIII, which had four discs, really only had, like, two discs of entirely unique content. But because you could revisit areas you know that wound up it had to reproduce it so what i'm saying is that's a long way of getting to the point that i tended to really enjoy the larger scope games the games that had uh you know that that took you like 80 hours to get through back in the ps1 days and uh almost by definition because of the hardware constraints, that meant that they had to be multi-disc. So, uh, and, and they bring with them problems like that. So, I, I'm not saying that you're wrong. I'm just saying I had to you're get my 80-hour RPG mix, you know? I had to get my 80-hour r- RPG mix, and there was no other way but multi-disc. I
0: feel you, man.
1: <laughs> but uh, but in, you know, but, but in uh, Legend of Dragoon, that skip right there stopped me dead in my tracks... And Legend of Dragoon was uh, not an especially popular game for the system. Um, It's not something like any of the Final Fantasy games where you would wind up running across them at various other places. Um, So my usual source for when I ran ran into a problem like that was to rent the second disc of the game or whichever disc I needed and then play on that one and then, of course, take it back and play on the rest of my discs from That's there. That's a smart move. Well, it was kind of the only move. I mean, you kids these days just don't appreciate uh, the, the struggles that we had back then. <laughs> so it was... Uh, so yeah, anyway, it was Legend of Dragoon. It was, by all counts, a pretty good game, even though I never made it past the first disc. And, uh, well, I'll get to something at the end of gaming history here, but that could change pretty soon. Ooh. Um all right, so in 2002 released for the original Xbox, we have 007 Agent Under Fire. Um, the, l- so,
0: the lesser 007 game.
1: Well, you might expect me to say something about oh, it had good controls or it did this or it was unique, but its biggest contribution to gaming history in my uh, in my Opinion is that Agent under fire allowed us to soft mod Xboxes so what would happen is Agent under fire and a very you know a handful of other games uh, released for the original Xbox had code in them that uh, that made the Xbox boot in a specific way or or go through a certain code program. And then you interrupted that code program in order to stop the Xbox at its, you know, back end where it had vulnerable coding and then to go ahead and change the code so that you could soft mod and open up your hard drive, swap out the hard drives because the Xbox hard drive was something like... I don't know, it's like eight gigs, maybe. Uh, but swap in a one terabyte hard drive, for example, and then download your game straight to the hard drive so that they load faster, so you don't have to wait for the optical disc anymore. Just all sorts of really cool things. But because of 007 Agent, Fi- Agent Under Fire, that was actually possible. So uh, so it's definitely... That's why I think it deserves a place in this, uh, in this segment on gaming history, because I've got a soft-modded Xbox, and thank goodness for Agent Under Fire for that. Nice. It's always but, interesting
0: uh, how there's, like, one game that will allow you to soft-mod a console or will allow you to ha- hack it somehow. Uh, Twilight Princess, for the, I believe for the GameCube, allowed people to do the same thing. Um, really? So that they could... Yeah, so and I'll have to Google this later and show you, but... Basically, it allowed people to put homebrew titles uh, on—actually, it was the the Wii. It allowed people to put homebrew titles on the Wii, Uh, but only if you put the disc in and did some funky stuff like what you were just saying. So, Mm -hmm. crazy how these game companies do this to themselves.
1: Yeah, you'd think they would have got caught— (laughs) <laughs> um, uh, uh, that how they would have caught that in uh, in QC, but then again, I mean, there's so many things to catch that just because you don't catch a bug doesn't mean nobody's doing their job so, m- my bad my bad, I shouldn't jump so quickly to that. Well, alright and then the third one I wanted to talk about was released a little bit more recently 2007 for, uh, for the Wii is the one that specifically makes a difference to me, and that is Resident Evil 4 So I didn't play Resident Evil 4 until I played it on the Wii, this 2007 release, and uh, I have to admit that I'm not a big, I'm kind of a big scaredy cat. I'm not a big fan of survival horror, I don't do well with it, but Resident Evil 4 had kind of just enough action horror, and a little bit less survival horror aspects, and my goodness, the lack of of, uh, because of course, Resident Evil 4 is when they took the whole, uh, the whole series in a new direction. Uh, it's when they decided that they didn't want to just do the fixed viewpoints so that you could do those easy jump scares. No, this is when we got an over the shoulder view of our uh, protagonists. It was really kind of uh, the change from Resident Evil's that I find it difficult to enjoy. To Resident Evil games that I really quite didn't quite like is was this change. So Resident Evil Four, my hat is off to you for uh, for making that happen. Nice. Yeah, and uh, yes, I did have a very easy time beating it because of the Wii making it easy to uh, much easier to aim. That is uh, that is a legitimate observation, Galvatron. You are definitely right. But yeah, that's what we had today for gaming history.
0: Sweet. Well, hey, um, we're going to keep it moving to our next segment of the show. It's uh, it's not my favorite segment, but it is a segment that we do called The Topic of the Week. And this week, we're going to talk about people getting sued. Um, and I hope that this is not your legalese story, Mac.
1: It's probably not.
0: Okay, sweet. So this one's on GameSpot.com. And the title says, Epic sues Fortnite QA tester who leaked Battle Royale Season 4 Secrets. And it has the subtitle, Snitches Get Stitches, which I think is funny. Um, I think that's great. The article says, According to Polygon, Epic Games sued Thomas Hanna, a quality assurance contractor on May 7th, for leaking spoilers for Fortnite Season 4. Through a third third party, Hanna spread information about where Fortnite's meteor would hit, an action-indirect violation of his non-disclosure agreement. Prior to the leak, most Fortnite theorists believed they had decoded a secret message that hinted Tilted Towers would be the crash zone of the meteor. The link debunked this prediction, the leak, excuse me, debunked this prediction, and informed players that Dusty Depot was the actual target. Epic is accusing Hannah of deliberately working with a third party to leak this info. Hannah's defense against the accusations is that he did not purposely leak the target location. According to him, he was bombarded by a quote series of questions and guesses regarding where the meteor would hit and the end of Fortnite Battle Royale Season 3. At the end of Fortnite Battle Royale Season 3. Hannah then shared the information in a private conversation, assuming it would remain confidential. It did not, but the spoilers were published to a subreddit. Both the post and the account that created it have since been deleted, but the internet is forever, and this was no exception. Epic claims the damages this leak has done cannot be fixed with money, as the company has suffered and is continuing to suffer irreparable injury. The company is seeking punitive damages under both state and federal trade secret laws. Um, Mac, I just want to get your opinion on this. So to summarize it for those of you who were in the chat, there was a guy who was a uh, QA tester for Fortnite. He leaked some information about the game before it came out, and now Epic is suing him. Now, my question is, what what do you think Epic hopes to get from this? Um... In my mind, he's not an employee there. He's not a millionaire. What what do you think they're trying to do here?
1: Well, the only thing that they could rationally be trying to do is to try and make an example of him and be like, hey, if you guys are involved in the QA process or anything like that, and you think it might be fun, get some internet points by exposing some things, we'll sue you. But, uh... I mean, honestly, there is nothing else to be gained than by basically a show of force. Uh, because you're right, he doesn't have lots of money. Why else would he be working in QA? And uh, then, yeah. I mean, to be fair to all those QA workers out there, it's a noble profession. Games would not be the same without you. But, you know, real talk, they pay you beans.
0: Real talk. You're right, and... Uh... You know, I, I, there was another example of this happening recently where something was leaked and someone got sued, but for some reason I can't remember what it was, so I won't cite it. Um, I don't know. I think this is kind of petty, and I think the fact that they're saying it did irreparable damage to the company is completely an exaggeration. Uh, they're absolutely within their right to sue this guy, and he probably won't ever get a job working, um, obviously for them, but maybe even in the games industry ever again. In fact, he won't. I I can't see any company hiring someone that can't keep secrets about the things that they're working on. But I I feel like at this point, his name is out there. I feel like they could drop the lawsuit and and they still would have accomplished exactly what they wanted to accomplish, which is getting the guy blacklisted from working in games. Now, we're in an age, Mac, where we're seeing more and more leaks than ever. Do you think that this will stop those leaks or decrease them, or do you think we'll still see them? I mean, E3, there were not a lot of surprises from all the leaks that came out before.
1: You know, I don't think we'll see an end to leaking. Um, honestly, maybe, maybe for this company, because they feel like, but I don't know, Mr. Nice Guy. The, the thing is, when you love something, when you enjoy it, you just really want to share it. And, uh, you know, though it's easy to probably say that, I don't know, maybe you leaked stuff because you thought you'd get internet points or, or this, that, or the other. I think most of the times when we've got leaks, uh, it's mostly people who are legitimately excited about what they're doing and they want to share it. I mean, Mr. Nice Guy, you, uh, you deal with, uh, with, Uh, customers and money and there are lots of things that you probably, you know, that you probably don't say even though they would make great stories. Uh, Exactly.
0: I would never disclose, you know, the things that I do at work publicly. Right. Exactly.
1: Exactly. But, you know, I I mean all it takes is somebody saying something to their wife. uh, And then or saying something to their husband. And then their husband you know says something to somebody else and then we've got we've got this rumor going around and yeah i mean people just kind of want to share we're social animals and that's we uh, want uh, to talk about what it is we did with our day and we want other people to be proud of the things we've accomplished
0: that's true and and i won't drag this out too much longer but you're right and it's the reason why people enjoy spoiling movies for others for whatever reason they they want to be the one to tell you that something exciting happened on this week's episode of The Walking Dead. You know, even after you told them, hey, I haven't watched it yet, don't tell me what's going to happen. They'll say, okay, but the ending's going to be crazy. A main character's going to die, and you're not going to believe who it is. It's like, dude, why did you tell me that? I just told you I haven't seen it yet. Um, and so it's it's a weird thing that humans have that we want to share... Um share things before others see them. It's it's a strange thing. So anyway, guys, that is our topic of the week. Mac, back over to you, buddy.
1: All right. Well, as you know, we like to take a look sometimes at various crowdfunding games, games or things that are being crowdfunded. And uh, we like to say, hey, maybe we should uh, take a vote, kick or kickstart. So we encourage those of you who are watching ...to tell us what you think. I'll present a Kickstarter project, we'll take a look at it together, talk about some of the virtues, some of the vices... ...and then at the end, we'll say whether we think this should be kicked out of here, because it's garbage... ...or we think it should be kickstarted. So, let me start with this one. And I have to just say that this was so ridiculous, so inane... ...that I'm going to spend a minute of our time talking about it... Um. This little thing called uh, uh, Bat Bump, short for Battery Bump. It was canceled since I wrote it down that we wanted to look at this, but here's the general gist of it. These guys were looking for $30,000 to build an app for you to request from other Bat Bump users to share your power with them. And furthermore, the way that it worked was by touching your phones together to transfer power wirelessly. So I can't even begin to say how (laughs) ridiculously (laughs) stupid this is. But it starts with wireless charging is less efficient than wired charging. Just straight up. There is nothing that is physics. Also, you would need to have only the small subset of people who have wireless chargers in their phone which isn't a lot it's probably less than a percent and then only those who have the battery bump
0: exactly app, exactly which is
1: going to be even smaller this would be functionally functionally non-usable even in a large city these guys are from australia i think so it would have been uh, so it would have been you know, uh, something like even in this place like Sydney, you might maybe find one other user. But sometimes, Mr. Nice Guy, when you are looking through Kickstarter projects, you sometimes come across something that's just so laugh out loud silly that you you just have to share. So, uh, so anyway, back on track. Let's go for something that uh, that I actually think uh, might be worth taking a look at. so this one's called electrics it is a uh, basically what it is is it is a a digital version of what some of us might call a usual workday in it you get devices sent into you and you repair them you take them apart you unscrew them you use your spudger you crack them open, your place components, and put them back together. But as with any game published in the last little while, there has to be a sort of darker version. A darker,
0: darker version. It.
1: And, uh, and in it, as you're repairing uh, repairing things, you are going to come across a little bit of a conspiracy. I don't want to really give anything away about it. And also, I can't really give anything about, uh, away about it because it's it's pretty. Because uh, you signed a
0: non disclosure agreement?
1: Yep, that's right. I signed an NDA. That's, that's right. But uh, it actually looks kind of fun. Um, for my part, uh, you know, when we go back to, say, 2009 or so. Well I mean mr. nice guy you remember we we used to go to conventions yeah uh, because I had because uh, I had press credentials I got those press c- credentials because uh, because back in the day I started doing just these teardowns and some websites were like hey this is really cool um, yep. would you consider being our teardown expert and I'm like yeah but I really would rather be a reporter and they're like okay. You're a reporter, and so uh, and so. That's how I kind of got my foot in the door was by doing these uh, these sorts of teardowns. So a uh, so a game like this actually really sort of reminds me of my earlier years. Nice. Um, and uh, it's you know it's Canadian dollars that they're looking for. They've already reached full funding. Um, Nine dollars if you want uh, to be a beta tester uh, for the game, and. Uh, you know, and then, you know, you go ahead and get the, uh, uh get the full game once it's released for around 10 bucks. So, you know, so not bad. Go ahead, watch the video, take a look, see if it's for you. Um, for my part, I'm already showing my, uh, uh, showing my bias. I actually really like where they're going with this, and it hits that nostalgia itch for me quite a bit. So, uh, so I like it, but uh, Mr. Nice Guy, your time to tear it down.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, I don't have any reason to hate on this other than the fact that it's not my thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it seems like, like a virtual version, or I should say a digital version of the game Operation. Mm-hmm. You know, like mm-hmm. using tweezers and reaching in and taking stuff out. It just doesn't seem that interesting to me. Um, but I do think that it has practical implications that it could be used to train people for product repair. Uh, so in that regard, it's cool. And I'm a fan of any type of technology that, uh, that helps us move forward in that regard, you know, like simulating surgeries or, um, whatever, you know, flight simulators, things like that, that allow people to get, you know, experience before really doing the real thing. So I guess I'll, uh, I'll, I'll go with kick, kickstart it this time. Uh, even though oh, it's not
1: great. for me. Yeah. Well, good news. Um, there is a, as we know, I'm a big fan of playable demos. Uh, there is a playable demo for this game. The downside is you do have to back it in order to get the playable demo, which is ever so slightly off putting um, because I'd rather, you know, see it up front. But hey, you know, at least it's got something playable, and you can, of course, check the sort of, uh, the comments and updates, um, just to, to be like, you know, nobody's saying that it doesn't work type of thing. So, anyway. Cool. Uh, yeah, I like it. I think, uh, um, I think I'm on board, and I say kickstart myself. And anybody who's here in the chat who's interested, feel free to weigh in. We will tally up your votes later. But that's what I had for our kick or kickstart segment.
0: Nice. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it's time for the main event. It's time for my favorite segment of the show, a segment we like to call the Dummy of the Week. 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 Week, a segment of the show where we talk about someone who did something stupid, idiotic, or downright dumb, and we make fun of them. This week's news story comes from News 5 Cleveland, Uh, and it says, Argument over video controller leads to domestic violence arrest. Mac, this seems to be a familiar tale. Something about those video game controllers makes people want to fight and makes them want to overreact. I don't know what it is. Let's see what happened this week. Canton, Ohio. A Canton teenager was arrested Tuesday afternoon after he allegedly punched his younger brother during an argument over a video game controller and then ran outside and smashed the windows of his family's car.
1: Well, that escalated quickly.
0: (laughs) I could not have said it better myself. Now, I find it interesting that he ran outside. He didn't stomp angrily. He didn't skip he ran outside and smashed the windows of his family's car. Uh, he could have smashed a stranger's car windows, but instead he smashed the windows of his family's car. Now also, how serious of an argument over the controller was this? Because when he punched his brother, that should have been more than enough to, to uh, calm his anger. But nope, he had to go smash multiple car windows. Let's read on. His name, it says, DeJohan jo, De Howell, 18 of Bomford Avenue, so he's 18, he's legally an adult, uh, was charged with one count of domestic violence. Officers were dispatched to the home but were unable to locate the teen as he had ran off after the incident. A short time later, Hal returned home and broke more windows.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, so he did not clearly take any time to calm down.
0: No. Like, so, I mean, so he... So here, here's the thing. He punched his brother. He ran outside and broke some car windows. The police came. He wasn't there. I'm going to assume that the police did not leave immediately. I'm going to assume they questioned people and waited a while to see if he'd come back.
1: Yeah, five minutes at least.
0: Yeah, he didn't come back, which means that he should have been off calming down, taking a cold shower, taking a chill pill, eating something that calms people down. I don't even know what that would be. But in that time, he was not calm, and he came home and broke more windows. What game were they playing? Did the, did his brother mess up his KD with the controller? I don't know what could make someone so angry. Um, it says... Quop. What's that? Quop. I don't know what Maybe that... Maybe
1: they were playing quap. What's that? Explain. Um, it's a Q- game that incites
0: irrational anger?
1: Yes. Q-W-O-P. Um, I'm sure that there's a console version, but at the very least, the computer version, you basically play, it, it's a side side view, um, you've got a runner, and you use Q and W to control his like, his, like, calves, and O and P to control, like, his thighs, and the point is to try and get him to run, but it's got, like, this ridiculous ragdoll physics. Anyway, it's, uh, uh, you can see some people raging. I can see some people raging out at Swap. but that's the only thing I could really think
0: of. Well, here's the thing. It says that after he broke the second set of windows, officers were called back to the residence, and Hal was taken into custody. He's scheduled to appear in court on June 28th. Now, this story is from June 27th today. I'm going to assume that maybe this happened yesterday, but regardless, they did not give him a lot of time in between the time that they arrested him and his court date. They were like, listen, man, we can't just have you out in these streets breaking windows every time you get your video game controller taken. You're going to go into court in two days so we can get this figured out. Now, if he breaks the windows in the courtroom, it's safe to assume that he's going to jail. Mac, that has been our dummy of the week, my friend. What a dumb one. Back over to you, buddy.
1: Alright. Well now we're on to the last official segment of the podcast. We like to call Legally Legally. And in legalese we like to take a look at some, you know, sometimes it's court cases that are going on right now. Sometimes it's copyright disputes. Just all these sorts of things that have bearing on what we as gamers like to do. And that is game. And so this one comes to us. Um, from a somewhat unlikely situation, circumstance. So, let me start by mentioning the name of the case, in case you're interested in looking more into it. Uh, Sean Cunningham versus Victor Miller. Now, uh, I figured I could type up or do a, you know, do a a, a thing on this, but amusingly enough. Um, a gentleman by the name of Larry Zerner, who was who's actually an entertainment lawyer and very close to this whole uh, battle, um, even did a sort of breakdown on on Twitter. So I'm going to uh, to just paraphrase him in a moment. But this surrounds the Friday the Thirteenth game. It is a game. It was released uh, last year. Um, I've seen some people play it on Twitch. It seems kind of fun. Yeah, it seems uh, interesting. I've heard of it. It is based off of a somewhat popular horror flick um, or s- horror series, and they were going to release DLC for this Friday the 13th game, but they cannot because of a legal battle that's going on around the Friday the 13th franchise. Are you so, kidding me? No, so, but and here's where it gets interesting. Larry Zerner, um, this guy who is an entertainment lawyer, legit Hundred percent, you know, a professional was actually in Friday the Thirteenth Part Three. I don't remember. I don't remember off the top of my head what part he played in Part Three, but it was definitely one of those lead roles because I saw somebody refer to him as a star. But uh, but I but I've never seen Friday the Thirteenth Part Three. But we will we will carry on. And I'm going to do a little bit of quoting and a little bit of paraphrasing of Larry Zerner. So, he said, The Copyright Act includes a provision that states that an author can terminate any transfer he or she has made um, has made uh, after 35 years, or before 35 years. The point of all of this is to let someone whom... Or, sorry, no, it is after 35 years— The point of all of this is to let someone who might have some seller's remorse an option to get the rights to their work back. So Victor Miller of Sean Cunningham, v. Miller, uh, Victor Miller was originally paid $9,500 for the original Friday the 13th script, which spawned 12 movies, a very successful video game, and tons of Jason Voorhees merchandise. This franchise, Victor helped create, has made hundreds of millions of dollars. But Victor was not entitled to any of that money. Therefore, Victor did what the Copyright Act allows him to do. He sent a notice of termination to Sean Cunningham, giving Sean two years' notice of termination, which would occur in June 2018. Now, I will make a note that... uh, that if you do something like this, if you choose to terminate the sale of your copyright of your IP to someone after thirty-five years, that that doesn't entitle you uh, royalties to the things that were already done. So that, for example, would not give Victor money for any of the any of the twelve movies or thirteen movies that they've uh, that they've done so far. It wouldn't give him royalties to the games, but it would make it so that future projects would be under his control. Interesting. And he would be able to, and he would be able to make, uh, make future decisions. But that's one of the reasons why, of course, um, uh, why of course they can't do the DLC because that makes it future um, content. Even though it's future content. For a current franchise, they would have to, um, you know, uh, uh, work out their own agreement with Victor, with Victor Miller, rather than the previous agreement that was worked out with uh, with Sean Cunningham. So uh, I'll continue on uh, with the quoting here. But Sean and Victor, because uh, continuing what Larry Zerner said, but Sean and Victor would need to make a deal because the termination only affects the Friday the Thirteenth U.S. rights. Because of the quirks of copyright law, even after termination, Sean, the one who who owned, uh, who bought the rights for $9,500 back in, you know, 35 years ago, um, would still own the rights outside of the United States. But instead of making a deal, Sean sued Victor, claiming that the agreement that Victor signed in 79 is not terminatable and the fact that this is a very new area of law, so there's not a lot of guidance for judges on to who is right, both sides have very good lawyers who are arguing the case. And one of the problems is that although both sides um, argued for motions for a summary judgment in the last October, the judge hasn't ruled. So there's been no movement on the lawsuit, and both of them are sort of in this situation where they both think that they're going to win, so nobody's been making any deals, which puts people like the makers of the Friday the 13th game in limbo because they can't actually, they don't know who to ask for permission to do this DLC because there hasn't been a deciding vote yet. So, um, until this gets decided, no more DLC for Friday the 13th, which is... Kind of unfortunate. Now, I'm just going to throw out there that I totally understand where you want you want to give somebody if they sell their intellectual property. You want to give them a chance to recoup if they sell it for like five dollars, and you can get something back. You know, you don't want the whole Manhattan thing twenty dollars and some shiny beads, and you sell the island. Uh, You you, you know, you don't want that to be a sort of uh, to be a sort of sticking point. You want somebody who, who, you know, might be able to, might want it back to give them a chance. Right. But at the same time, this is really unfortunate for those of us who have liked and enjoyed Friday the 13th. Hmm.
0: Always interesting how stuff that has nothing to do with the game can affect it. Which is why it's so risky to make an, a game that's based on a pre-existing intellectual property. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, it's the reason why it took us so long to get a GoldenEye remake, I believe because Pierce Brosnan wanted nothing to do with the James Bond franchise after he was done with it. So for those who played the GoldenEye remake on the Wii, it was actually Daniel Craig as Bond instead of Pierce Brosnan. Um, oh. So just weird things like that that get in the way of us just enjoying our games, but that's the world we live in. Mac, that was an awesome legalist. story.
1: Well, thanks. I'm glad you liked it. And, uh, and yeah, so that's what I had. But as you guys know, we always like to finish things off with a discussion about what we've been watching and what we've been playing. And if you don't mind, Mr. Nice Guy, I would like to go first. Do it. All right. So I have been playing some really cool games lately. Um, I'll start with this one called Lumo. Back in the day, uh, I would go over to a friend's house, and they had a game called Solstice for the Nintendo Entertainment System, for the original NES. And uh, that game was an isometric uh, sort of puzzle platformer. It was really fun, but it was kind of unwieldy and difficult to navigate sometimes. Um, Anyway, Solstice also had, like, the greatest music ever of any video game. Uh, it, it's brilliant. Tim Fallens, the name of the uh, the composer, and he's regarded to be like one of the best old school composers. Nice, just, just uh, dropping some knowledge on yeah. But uh, that being said, this game Lumo is basically a spiritual successor, um, and it's really quite fun um if i had been feeling more up to it i would have streamed it because it it was great but i might do so anyway because it's it's really enjoyable uh but it's isometric uh it does improve on the original some but hey that's what you would expect after you know after nearly 30 years that you could uh that you could probably improve a concept just a little bit (laughs) uh but another fun one that I've been playing is actually uh, is actually really, really, um, really fun. It's a in-person game, kind of a party game. It's called Drop Mix. And I'm not going to do a very good job of describing it, but basically you have a board, a playing board, that syncs up with your tablet or phone, right? And that serves as the computer slash the speakers. And you have these cards that all have RFID chips inside of them. And those chips uh, correspond to uh, correspond to songs. Like, so maybe you've got Megan Trainor's All About That Bass. Or you've got, uh, oh, my, my, my you know, Rick names. James. My, my, my no well, or you've got Rick James' Super Freak. Um, but uh, but there what are five Were you five just trying slots. to get me to
0: sing Super Freak?
1: No, Super Freak, Super Freak. Super Freaky, yeah. All right. But you've got these various slots that correspond to things like vocals, uh, backup, uh, drums, percussion, guitar, bass, and things like that. And when you put the card down, it'll play. Like, so you put Super Freak down in vocals, and it'll play play the vocals. Or you play all put all about that bass down in the uh, in the percussion, and you'll get the percussion from that. And it makes a mix. Uh, you know, and it makes a mix Based off of these RFID cards And uh, your com- your your phone or tablet Kind of mixes them together um, And there are a few different ways That you can play this as a sort of Head-to-head party game And it's just a heck of a lot of fun So I, I know my description Probably didn't, you know Just leaves more questions than was at first But uh, but it's kind of fun It costs a few bucks to get into Because uh, the base game's a little expensive sure. but uh, But it's fun Nice. Really fun, and uh, that's what I've been playing. Uh, should I do watching, or do you want to do your playing? No, first?
0: continue. Let's hear what you've been watching.
1: Uh, so, Mrs. The Mac and I have been watching uh, Luke Cage season two. Um, it's a little bit uh, slow to get started, but uh, but we're you know enjoying it so far. Awesome. Um, and uh, oh, we have been uh, watching through Legend of Korra once again. Uh, with a friend and man it's just as excellent as i remember it so yeah that's what i've been watching and what i've been playing mr nice guy nice
0: now i've been doing a lot more watching than i've been doing playing um been watching i watched the incredibles 2 that was fantastic and i don't know why i said that like how i just said it. i watched the incredible 2, it was fantastic uh, like i'm dmx uh, it, it's a really, really good movie. We actually went to a drive-in and saw it uh, with the kids last weekend. Great. I do
1: have to interrupt real quick and say that we've never seen Mr. Nice Guy and DMX in the same place at the same time, so we can't rule out that Mr. Nice Guy is, in fact, DMX. Just saying. That's
0: right. That could be. We could be the same person. You never know. Um, or he could just be here hanging out. You never know, because I'm not on camera today. Uh, Incredibles 2, have been watching The Gifted, That's a fantastic show. If you like Marvel stuff and if you like stuff in the X-Men universe, strongly recommend that. Also been watching the Marvel show, The Runaways. That's a show that I was crossing my fingers for for many, 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 many years. Uh, Almost done with season one. And uh, the comics are some of my favorite comics of all time. I'm glad they finally made it into a show and it has been renewed for season two. Can't wait for that. Oh, what else have I been watching? Oh, Mac, I've really been getting into Shark Tank, man uh have you ever watched shark tank
1: i have i've seen some uh i've seen some clips from shark
0: tank. and and that's the thing in the world of youtube there's really no reason to sit down and watch a whole episode you can just watch the highlights you know what i mean it's a great world that we live in so we watching some of that on on the youtube uh what else i guess that's enough i've been watching other stuff but that about sums it up um, as far as what I've been playing, man, I've really been playing a lot of PUBG. Um, what else? Donkey Kong Country, Tropical Freeze, occasionally with the kids on the Switch. Uh, I haven't booted up the arcade in a while. I need to boot that up and play some classic games. Um, and I got a, I got a little Halo it, uh, with some friends online last week. Halo 5. So that's it for me, Mac. Do you wanna, we got people yeah, in the chat me- that have been watching and playing stuff. Let us know what they've been doing.
1: Yeah, so um, we've got some watching Luke Cage season two. Uh, someone isn't enjoying it as much as I am. The Disaster Artist, love the Disaster Artist. What's and that? What's uh, that about? I don't. I'm not familiar. Have you heard of the horrible movie called The Room, starring Tommy Wiseau? I have heard of it. I have not seen. Okay, so uh, the Disaster Artist is James Franco, Franco, and his brother David Franco. Um, portraying the making of the room um and you know it doesn't sound like it's going to be good but it is freaking amazing huh. uh and uh you know mr nice guy we'll talk but i i've got it i've bought the uh, the film so uh so maybe we might have to have to get that to you cool um let's see terminator 2 and incredibles 2 very good uh, let's see. We've got uh, watching an old series on Amazon called Tarzan, cheesy but fun. As for games, we've got Overwatch, uh, Vanquish on Xbox One, God of War: Evil Within Two, and Gran Turismo Sport. So that's what people, our folks, have been watching and what they've been playing. And I do have to just mention, real quick, Mister Nice Guy, as we're uh, roll, as we're, uh, you know, gearing down. That this is episode 69 of Two Nerds in a Pod, and we made it the whole way through the episode without somebody making some stupid, ridiculous 69 joke. We've got a mature that...
0: viewership. We've got a mature viewership.
1: Yes, indeed. Maturest on Twitch. That's for darn sure. I'm proud of you, chat. I'm proud of you.
0: Well, cool, Mac. I think that's what we had for this week, right? Indeed. All right. Well, thank you, everyone, for tuning in to Episode 69 of Two Nerds in the Pod. We'll see you next week on Tuesday. Same bat place, same bat time, same bat rhymes. Deuces. Keep it nerdy. See ya.